$167,000. I'll shuttle for one dance with Domino. Can you play any other tune? Something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. May I cut in? On this episode, Alan is slightly remote. He doesn't get to be in his usual recording area, so he's using a different mic. So if you pick up a little sound oddity, that's just what's going on. We wanted to get this episode out to you guys, so he's uh, he's on a remote location on this one. Welcome to the 34th episode of Bond Music, Six of the Best, our ongoing series discussing Bond movie soundtracks. Now, the last time out, we discussed the music of the Cinema Soundstage Orchestra. Well, we're going to do the same thing again this time around, although instead of the laid-back approach, we take a look at their big band sound of James Bond thrillers, issued under the code name The 007 Band. I am Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. I'm joined, as always, by my best friend in all things Bond, especially the music. It is Alan J. Porter. Welcome back to the show. Alan. Oh, I, I'm now a categorized best friend. Before, it was just a blanket best friend, but now it's just best friend in Bond and in <laughs> Bond music. What did I do wrong? <laughs> Next episode's going to be like, Bond, Bond music on CD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling owned here. Somewhere. More and more narrow. No, no, man. You know there's nothing but love for you here. What's been up with you? We should save this for next Rogue Agents, but we just did a great trip up to Canada, and I was really surprised how Bondian the scenery was when we were up in the Rockies. Could almost hear Barry's On a Majesty's Secret Service theme tune playing as we were among the frozen lakes and the avalanche warnings and the snow on the mountains and stuff. It was it was amazing. And there's one particular Bond-like thing I did, but I'm going to keep that for the next Rogue Agents episode. Oh, okay. So Looking forward to that. Well, here on this show, this is the one where we cover the music. This is Six of the Best, and what we do is we take an album, CD, cassette, some sort of Bond music, and one of us has the lead on the episode, and actually, Alan has it on this one, so he has selected this James Bond thrillers from the 007 band, and that means he's going to pick three of his favorite tracks off of the album to listen to, and then I will pick three from what he has left behind, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. And with that, I guess I'll give it to Alan to talk about it. Thank you, Jared. And yes, just as Jared says, this is actually the same group of musicians as we discussed in the last episode. We did not know that when we both picked our two choices. It was only Jared's wonderful (laughs) research last time that actually found out that it was the same folks. Um, (laughs) It's a bizarre coincidence. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, the James Bond thrillers is another from the 101 Strings label that also released albums as the Cinema Soundstage Orchestra we talked about last time. If you want to know more about the background to the 101 Strings, the Cinema Soundstage Orchestra, etc., and the dozen other names that they recorded, um, I would suggest going back and listening to that episode because Jared did a great intro on the background to the label and how it came a bit and the way they ended up selling, what was it, 150 million albums or something? Yeah, something like that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm going to focus in the, this background in a bit more just on this album specifically. So this 1965 album was a one-off project for the 101 Strings label format under the 007 name. They never recorded another album using that name, as far as we know. As it's a 1965 release, it only includes tracks related to the first three movies, Dr. No, From Russia With Love, and Goldfinger. And it was issued on the Marble Arch label and distributed by Pi Records in the UK, by Somerset in the US, Paragon in Canada, and Mode Disque, or Mode Disque in France, and each have different cover art. So... <laughs> Some of which are weird and some of which are just cut and paste from the Bond posters. But it's fun to see how they sort of all relate to each other. So if you do a quick image search for 007 band, you'll probably find the different four different uh, covers. They seem readily available. It's only available on vinyl. And you can find the US and UK releases pretty easily for around between 10 and 20 bucks if you're a vinyl collector. I couldn't find any copies of the French and Canadian releases on sale, so I assume they're a little, little rarer. And it's also available on YouTube as a uh, streamer. So the fun part of this is this album contains a mix of what you would expect, Monty Norman and John Barry compositions, but it actually also includes a bunch of original tracks written by two gentlemen named Joseph Kern and Bob Loudon. So I'm going to talk a bit more about each of those two particular gentlemen. So the first of those gentlemen, Joseph Francis Kern was, or Kuhn, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it, K-U-H-N. He was born on the 24th of December, 1924, and died on March 10th, 1962. So he passed away three years before this album actually was released. He was an American symphonic composer, arranger, and conductor. According to his online bio, he's particularly remembered for his sweeping rhapsodies. And he was an active composer from the 1950s until 1961, when he retired due to the illness that eventually led to him passing away. He performed apparently in lots of clubs and venues in the New Jersey area in the late 1950s. And then he became associated with local record producer Dave Miller, who Jared discussed in our previous episode, who was the founder of Somerset Records in Pennsylvania. So Kern composed many original arrangements, all of which were performed by the 101 Strings, other groups that were released on the Somerset and Stereo Fidelity Records labels owned by Miller. So his tracks on this album, which must have obviously been written several years earlier, are Blues for Dr. No, M Joins the Hunt, and Warm and Deadly. The second composer on this album is Robert Bob Loudon. Uh, Bob Loudon was born on July 23rd, 1920, and passed away on October 30th, 1998. Again, an internationally known American composer, music educator, conductor, arranger, and trombonist. He's from New Jersey. He worked as a trainer and instructor for concert orchestras and a music teacher in public schools in New Jersey in the 1950s. And then he was hired by the Somerset label's owner, Miller, from 1958. And he worked there for 10 years from 58 to 68, where he was the composer and chief arranger for the 101 Strings Orchestra. His three tracks on here are Violence, with an exclamation mark, Pussy Galore Meets Bond, and A Gilded Corpse. So actually, before we listen, I actually want to share the liner notes from this album because I think the copywriter had a lot of fun with these, with these hyperbole. Let's take a look and see what it says on the album's liner notes. There has never been such an exciting book series or action-packed film series as the pulsating James Bond stories. 
Ian Fleming captured all the sensationally corny but fascinating and sexy plots a reader or moviegoer could ask for. Their pace for action and cunning intrigue, and the plots lend themselves to sensuous and driving music with a touch of the mysterious. The 007 band has put together one of the most haunting and exciting programs ever recorded. These power-packed songs are recorded in a brilliant sound dimension that is scintillating as the very films from which they are taken. So, Jared, are you pulsating into a different dimension with the music from this album? <laughs> I just got back from the the alternate dimension where I was pulsated <laughs> to from listening to this. Yeah, yeah, this was an interesting pick, as always. It's just real neat to me overall. I'm glad we ended up doing these episodes back to back because, you know, the last one was a very laid back, easy listening, and this is very big and, and bombastic, and it's just a showcase of the musical talent of the 101 strings folks to just be able to do these wildly different sounds, but still make it fun and, and entertaining with these power packed songs. It's haunting and exciting. <laughs> but what gets me is none of them are actually songs. There's no lyrics on any of this. It's True. Right. <laughs> Tracks, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I would say that the thing that really caught my eye the most on this is probably the same thing. And probably the reason you picked it is when this album came out, you know, it's just three movies. So they really had to kind of fluff it up, but they fluffed it up with some neat sort of original and thematic things that fit interestingly in the James Bond world. So th that's where the real adventure of this album comes from, in my opinion. Oh yeah. It's definitely not the cover version. I mean, the cover versions of the Barry and Norman stuff are fine. Right. And, and interesting, but yeah, it's the fact that we've have these six original compositions interspersed with the more familiar tunes. I think that makes this intriguing all right, so let's get into the first pick. So my first pick is indeed track number four, one of the original compositions we just talked about. It is Blues for Dr. No. I basically had this album running in the background while I was doing the research around the album's creation and the writers and so forth. And the gunfire opening of this track really caught my attention as it was running in the background. So I stopped what I was doing and gave it a, a really good listen. And I think it's a cheeky, jaunty tune by Mr. Joseph Kuhn. It's called The Blues, but it's, I don't think it's really a blues track. I don't know. For me, it sort of reminded me of a 60s TV sitcom. I don't know why. It just gave me that vibe. So let's give it a listen and see what you think.
So, Jared, Dick Van Dyke as James Bond, Mary Tyler Moore as Honey Ryder. What do you reckon? <laughs> I was just about to bust in <laughs> with uh, Larry Hagman as Goldfinger <laughs> and Jim Neighbors as Jaws, right? <laughs> No, you know, I heard a lot of a fair amount of what I would say Dixieland sound in there. Yeah, there is a Dixieland jazz sound to it. Yeah, yeah, I really like the gun opening. Of course, that was attention getting, and then, like you said, it's just jaunty and fun, and yeah, it's a neat track. Again, it's one of those on this album, like you said, it's track four. The whole album starts with Goldfinger theme, and then a new track called Violence, and it goes from Rush with Love, and then this. So, doing kind of a really good job of giving you what you expect and then mixing in the unexpected. And that was unexpected and fun. Yeah. I don't really see what it has to do with the tone of the Dr. No movie. It doesn't really fit Dr. No tonally at mm, all. Not really. No. <laughs> um, it makes me wonder if it was a piece, like I said, that Joseph Kern had written and arranged before he passed away, but didn't necessarily have a title. And it's like, we'll throw it on here and we'll give it something James Bond related. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds about right. Yeah. But it was a fun piece anyway. All right. On to my second pick. So we're going from a Joseph Kern track to a Robert Loudon track. This one is Pussy Galore meets Bond. I think this highlights more of the big band sound. And again, I don't really see how it's related to the scene in the movie that the title invokes. In some ways, this reminded me more of sort of a Henry Mancini type score. I don't know why it just brought up images of the Pink Panther opening title sequence and scenes from the Pink Panther movies rather than Bond. But again, a fun little track. And I think more of that bombastic big band sound they were reaching for. Let's give it a whirl.
Thoughts on that one, Jared? Does it evoke that scene in the Goldfinger movie when <laughs> Percy Galore meets Bond for the first time? Uh, I guess not really, though. I get the Man City <laughs> vibe that you also picked up on. It's probably the most fun of all the original tracks on there, but you know, you picked it, so I couldn't. But <laughs> it's it feels like it'd be more at home on the Casino 67 soundtrack than anywhere else, but it's a lot of fun. And yeah, you can't help but like, Bob, you head to it, you know, this it's just it's fun. I just keep using the word fun, and that's that's it. Yeah, I actually I was listening as we started listening to it again this time. I was thinking, yeah, Casino 67 might be a it might slide in there. I think it might. Yeah, I like the sort of the sneaky, as you said, you've got the little characters sneaking around, I think, which is why it sort of reminded me of the Pink Panther opening theme. But Pussy Galore on Bond. It isn't. So, okay, let me round out with something a bit more familiar. My third pick. It's time for some Monty Norman on John Barry input. And as Jared took my Honor Majesty's track last time, I'm taking his Bond theme this time. So let's take a listen to their interpretation of the James Bond theme. Again, we keep using that word fun. I think it's a fun, brassy interpretation. Um, It has a very different take, I think, on the guitar break in the middle that makes it stand out, I think, from a lot of other cover versions. But that's just my opinion. Let's give it a listen, and then we'll see what Jared thinks. Thank you. 
So, Mr. Bond, theme expert, what do you think of that one? <laughs> so you took it just so I couldn't have it. Is that is that what we're? Yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're going to start categorizing me, I'm going to just start stealing the Bond theme whenever I can. <laughs> All right, it's fair play. It's fair play. No, of course, I like that one. Like you said, it has a different flavor to it. It's almost like the guitar work, especially is. This is going to sound like a bad thing. I'll say sloppier. It's not as tight as the Vic Flick, but it that almost works in its favor. Like it's, it sounds like a, they're just having a jam session. It's a lot of fun. There's that word again, peppy and energy, just a good time. So yeah, it, it's one of those Bond themes that doesn't necessarily try to carbon copy Norman or Barry, which makes it stand out. It has its own flavor and it's a fun flavor. That, that word's coming back a lot. Yep. All right. Well, let's see if Jared keeps the fun going with his three picks. Well, we'll keep it in the whole John Barry neighborhood as I pick my first track, which is track three from the album, which is the 007 band's take on From Russia with Love. I really like the peppy sort of walking beat that it kicks off with, and then it continues to layer, and then it has some riffing at the end where they just again are having fun with this track so let's listen to this version of from russia with love
So, Alan, what did you think of that? I actually really enjoyed this. It's actually, I think, one of my favorite tracks on the album. But I just wanted to steal the Bond track from you instead of this one. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I really do enjoy this one. Like you said, I like the layering. You get that slow intro and then the sort of underlying theme and then you get the drums coming in and it just sort of builds and builds and builds. I, I think it's a very interesting interpretation and it, it's a cool one. So, yeah, like I say, probably one of my, for me, one of my standout tracks on this album. And I definitely concur. Let's get into my second track, which is going to be an original on here. This is Warm and Deadly, which is a Joseph Kuhn track, which I learned thanks to Alan earlier. (laughs) Behind the scene, folks, he actually has to just scroll at the script to find that out. But at least he read the script this time. I literally scrolled right before I (laughs) said that line. (laughs) But anyways, Warm and Deadly, which is track nine. I'm a sucker for playful piano work, and this definitely has that. And then Kind of like from Rush With Love, you get that playful piano work and then the big band sound comes and builds and it punctuates this. It's a sexy track. So I like the fact, too, that they called it Warm and Deadly because it conjures up Luciana Paluzzi's character from Thunderball, whose name I'm going to remember any second now. Fiona Volpe. Fiona Volpe is just came to me. <laughs> like, you know, warm and deadly, sexy. And yeah, you want to hold her close, but not too close. because She's deadly. So let's give a listen to that. See if you get that vibe as well.
three, well. Yeah, fun opening with the background noise of them being in a club and then it just really pulls you into that nightclub atmosphere, I think, and the piano and then the big band. You can almost sort of see the pianist under the spotlight on his own and then the floodlights come up and the curtains open and there's the big band on the stage behind him and really evoking a lot of visuals that aren't in any of the movies, but you could sort of imagine Bond and his lady of the moment being at a nightclub with that sort of thing. And one of the things I like about this and the other track, Violence, is they didn't link it to a particular movie right? in the naming of the track. So you can sort of apply it to any of the three movies, I guess, and whoever you want. But actually, your thing about Fiona Volpe, yeah, I mean, I think it just suits her perfectly. Yeah, it's, I, and I think what you just said kind of led me to that, because like you said, it didn't tie to a movie. It's called Warm and Deadly, so that she's the one I thought of. You mentioned the nightclub scene, and I could see Bond even dancing with his girl. And for those of us who know our Bond, Bond only dances, I think, in Thunderball and Never Say Never Again. <laughs> that's I think that's why I went to Thunderball and Fiona Volpe. Like, it just fit to that to me. But the what fascinates me about what you mentioned about the track is it can fit each Bond fan. It might go to a different place because it's not tied to a movie. So I, I think that's neat. Yeah, I think visually it could be. And I'm going to do the same thing now. I'm blanking on a name. So I was thinking of, you know, in Doctor No at the beginning with the, the first girl, the one that Eunice Grayson played in the character. Sylvia Trench. Sylvia Trench, thank you. <laughs> that just came to me. From the same, um, <laughs> with her or, you know, with maybe Tilly Masterson. Right. Uh, in Goldfinger or Jill Masterson in Goldfinger. I don't know. It, it just, <laughs> I think it could just apply. Across yeah, the board. you could like you could list like a hundred different Bond fans could listen to that track and then see it linked to maybe a hundred different locations. You get a wide variety as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think that's I mentioned earlier when you we first started talking about this album. I think these tracks that are new, quote unquote, new <laughs> or not tied directly to other Bond films they have a certain fascination. Definitely. But I am going to bring it back to a Bond film as I close it out with my third pick, which is going to be track 10, The Death of Goldfinger. Now, this track really appealed to me because, I mean, the first track was a Goldfinger track. Goldfinger is an easy-to-go-to track for these kind of things. It's such a recognizable sound and all that. But what made this one stand out to me, Death of Goldfinger, is it takes you on a journey. The Goldfinger melody starts somber, and then it goes to bombastic and it goes into that hard driving music at the end of the climax at Fort Knox. And I think it's just a nice tour of Goldfinger overall. We talked about sort of mentally putting ourselves in Bond movie scenes. And to me, this one kind of feels like it's giving you the summary of the movie. And I thought that was neat. See if you agree with me. I'll give it a, a spin.
That's like I just watched the whole movie in three minutes. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> what I like about this arrangement is you clearly have their own arrangement on it, but they haven't lost that Barry feeling underneath. I can feel there's a lot of respect for the source material here when they're actually putting their arrangements together. And again, we said this before in a couple of the other tracks. I think it's a very layered approach to the way they do it and the way it builds. So, yeah, um, I just had a thought about the, the album overall, but I'll save it for when we do the ratings in a minute. But, yeah, that's a really good track. I mean, it's a good one to end. I think it ends the album, and I think it's a good one to actually end our picks for this time around. And I think you're right. Okay, and I just mentioned it. So we're going to move on to what we usually do, which is actually rate this album. So we're going to rate it one to seven based on how much this album should be in a Bond fan's audio library. So what do you think, Jared? I really like it. The Jared Albrecht audio library likes it to the tune of a five. But if I step back and say, you know, to the more generic Bond fan, I'd say it's a, a solid four. I think it's got a lot to offer. I think it's real offerings are those original tracks, which might have been tracks they had laying around that kind of quasi fit the album. But I think that's what makes it fun. If you've listened to 100 different Bond albums like we have, it's those ones. That, oh, this is new material, right? So that's why I think, you know, a, a four for the average Bond fan, because it's got those neat curiosities in it. A five for me, just because I think it's just a ton of fun. It's an easy to listen to ton of fun album. So I was thinking back to the last episode. I think we gave the last one a four didn't we which was that sounds about right i think yeah yeah and the, i thought i just had just listening to these tracks again is i i think i prefer this one to the previous 101 strings album the cinema sounds orchestra one i think depending on mood this is more fun and energetic if i want to relax i want the other one but if you force me to pick one i probably would pick this one and i think it's the fact it's got something new the i mean the other one was all covers and one wonderfully mismatched title <laughs> cover. But they were all covers of existing material we know. But as you said, there's something fun in discovering the new tracks on this album and trying to sort of picture where they fit, even if they were just lying around the studio and they dusted them off and put a Bond title on it. But they're all fun. We kept using that word over and over again. So I think I'm, personally, I think I'd give this one a six in my collection, but I think probably a five overall. Um, for those, fair. For these, those additional tracks and just the, the feel of it. So, like I said, I think this 1965 one is way better. Is not way better, but it's better than the. I can't even remember the date. The other one that we talked about previously, but the one that was done several years later, I think. So. Yeah, it came out in '81 because it had yeah. "Your Eyes Only" on it, and that was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So, 20 years later, I don't think they improved on what they did back in the '60s, and that's my opinion. And I don't think it's crazy for once. Uh, <laughs> and that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of Bomb Music 6 of the Best. If you got a question or a comment, and we're, we're talking to you, Bruce, uh, you, can, <laughs> you can email us. We're at ohmspod at outlook.com, or you can go right to Twitter and go to ohmspod. And of course, we'd love it if you subscribe to this. You, if you subscribe to this, you'll get not just this music show, but you get the Rogue Agents, you'll get van and allen's movie reviews and just i mean we're just always doing something so we'd greatly appreciate it and you know how about a rating or a review you can give us five stars or five sarcastic stars it's up to you on how you want to do that now if you'd like to chat with us personally on social media i can be found at yard sale artist twitter facebook and instagram it's all yard sale artist or you can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com alan where can they find you for James Bond stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon and on Instagram 
and Tumblr at James Bond Lexicon. And of course, there is the jamesbondlexicon.online website, which is a companion website to the James Bond Lexicon book, which you can buy at all good online book retailers. Okay, thanks for joining us for this episode. This episode's tracks are from the 1965 album James Bond Thrillers by the 007 Band. As always, we'd like to remind you to legally purchase your Bond music via official download channels or via CD or vinyl, and please support the Bond creative community. And we will be back with six of the best when we will return with Jared's next pick, which apparently is a mystery because he hasn't it, put it in the script. <laughs> it's a mystery because I ordered one for myself and I ordered one for Alan. Do you have it nearby? Ah, so my next pick is currently a mystery for Alan. It came out not too long ago. I ordered a copy for myself and I ordered a copy for Alan. He is so patient because I mailed it to him like two months ago. <laughs> He's patiently at it. Still in the envelope. He's opening it now. Oh, yeah. How many layers is this thing got? Well, I, layer number one. Jewel cases crack so easily, so I tend to extra, extra wrap them. So your jewel case. Envelope number three, folks. <laughs> Tomorrow Never Dies. All right. So I La think La I've La... seen that movie. <laughs> yeah. La La Land Records a few months ago did that, what oh, they do. Is... The ultra expanded a CD limited to 5,000 copies. And so I ordered a copy for me and a copy for Alan. So this came out relatively recently within the last few months. And Thanks. I thought, let's revisit Tomorrow Never Dies and see if we're going to pick any new tracks with the expanded CD. So uh, my gift to you, my friend, and I guess we'll talk about it on the next episode. Thank you very much. Uh, the day after Pierce Brosnan's birthday, too. Happy 70th, by the way, Pierce, if you're listening. That's right. Pierce is one of our staunchest listeners, as I'm told. But I told that to myself. But any <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah, uh, Al and I are going to go back to cool. the two-disc version of Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, we've got it all now. Thanks to the good folks at La La Land Records. They're not a sponsor of the show. I wish they were. <laughs> but just thanks for them for doing this kind of thing. And uh, we'll let you know. We will let you know what we discover on the uh, two-disc version. And behind the scenes, Alan, we're going to have to decide whether or not we're allowed to, like, should we eliminate the tracks we picked the last time we covered the CD? We I, have I'm actually just looking at this. I think <laughs> we should just pick from the additional additional tracks. Additional, additional tracks menu. only? Additional tracks only, yeah. We definitely could do that. An hour and 15 minutes worth of music, of just additional music. It's more than enough in there. I think we should... You know, I think you're right. Folks who, who want the thorough, thorough Tomorrow Never Dies soundtrack experience, go back and listen to our first run on it with the basic soundtrack, and then we will do, next episode, we will cover the additional music only. I think that's a good idea. Cool. That's going to be fun. All right. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Bye. Bye.